episode 10. Time flies. Time flies when you're having fun talking about money. <laughs> okay, Zave, this episode I feel like we made specifically for you. <laughs> I'm going to feel seen, but heard, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, this is an exposing episode. And honestly, I also feel a little seen. I've become somebody who is into retail therapy, which we're going to unpack in this episode. Let's do it. Welcome to Money Baggage, a financial literacy podcast brought to you by Hightower Advisors to spread knowledge about something that affects us all, money. We're your hosts, Joe Franco. And I'm Zave. And we're on an investigation to learn how to strategically deal with our money baggage. We're going to be covering everything from debt to savings to buying a house. We're really just trying to grow that money mindset. It's our goal to push the next generation to grow their financial independence. Knowledge is wealth, so let's handle this money baggage. And Zave, today, I need to graciously give you the mic. And I want to hear your retail therapy experience. What's going on over there? Yes. So retail therapy, as most of you guys know, I am a recent college grad that now has a full-time job. And yeah, my job is, it gets stressful at times. And I definitely do fall back on shopping often when I am stressed or sad or lonely, et cetera, et cetera. It does make me feel better, but also oftentimes it makes me a lot more stressed, you know? I want to know the timeline, okay? So give me the timeline. You're having a stressful day. When does it hit you? You have an itch to buy something. And then walk me through how soon after do you buy something? And then how soon after do you feel actually more anxious? Joe, it could be, I could be looking at something for five minutes and pull the plug, but then I could be looking at something for a month and just the need just builds. And it's the bigger purchases that, you know, they build a little bit more, but yeah, it it just happens. It just happens. But like, you know, you wake up and you're having a crappy day and then do you buy something that day or does the urge build? And then you have like three crappy days and that's when you decide you need those $900 pair of shoes. (laughs) Any and all of the above, honestly. If I'm having a bad week, I'll make it a plan that I'll go shopping for a couple hours on Friday. Or if I had a really, really bad Monday, I might order something and then have something to look forward to throughout the week. So my week's a little better. And then do you have remorse for those purchases? (sighs) Every time. Most of the time. I get serious, serious remorse. Especially, I'm, I'm really into like fashion and shoes and stuff like that. Like it's a passion of mine, but I'll buy some shoes and I'll be really, really excited. I can't wait for them to get here. I can't wait to go pick them up. They get here and I'm like, I don't even think I'm going to wear these. And I get so <laughs> mad at myself every time. These don't even <laughs> fit. It's like, it's, just, it's a rough, I mean, I empathize with you. First of all, this episode is not to bag on Zave, although I do love the reoccurring trend of like your blue suede moccasins and your style (laughs) icon behaviors. So I was never into buying things. I was actually the opposite. Anytime I would swipe a credit card or like a debit card, I would feel bad, even for essentials. Like anytime I would have to buy a $5 foot long or, you know, a Chipotle bowl, whatever, I would feel bad. And this behavior or this connection to money lasted up until maybe until I started filming the Netflix show. So up until 2020. And I think the main difference was that I had to buy clothes and makeup and hair products for my job because they told us like, you need 
three outfits every single day you shoot, you're shooting six days a week for a year. So I'm like, oh, so, and then they gave you a stipend. It was a small stipend that I burned through the first round of shopping, but shopping became a part of my job. And it was something that I was like, okay, I can be creative with this. I can find fun outfits, especially because the role on the show was very, you know, you had your role and I'm used to creating everything from scratch. So my creative outlet became shopping, which I never expected in a million years because again, little Joe was avoiding buying clothes. So here's the thing for everybody out there listening. If you don't have retail therapy today, that doesn't mean that you're never going to have it and vice versa. It can develop. It can develop. I feel like at least that initial shopping trip was for a reason and you weren't just shopping your emotions away, right? Yeah. But now I'm like, oh, I really want a new colorful shirt. And then I go out and I buy a sweater. I show it to my friends and they're like, you literally have the same sweater. And I'm like, Oh no, I think this is happening to me. (laughs) Okay, so it sounds like to me though, you do it in mostly a positive aspect. You don't really fall back on this whole retail thing when you're having like a bad day or a bad week. Oh no, Zave, I got you. I'm with you on the like, I had a crappy (laughs) day. I need to put some things in a shopping cart. Okay, okay, fair enough. We're all there. So, okay, here's the definition of retail therapy. Retail therapy is the act of shopping as a way to relieve emotional distress in other areas of life. Retail therapy differs from your typical weekly grocery errands because it is triggered by emotions rather than needs that must be met. Okay, so the translation is we all have to buy our daily essentials, but these are emotional purchases. And it's not like usually rooted in a happy emotion. It's usually rooted in a negative emotion, I'm assuming. Most of the time, yeah. Stressful sad. I think sometimes I will do it in a happy emotion too. If I'm just having a really good day, I might just top it off to treat myself, but that's slim to none. I need to know everybody listening, please slide up in my DMs at Joe underscore Franco and let us know, are you a retail therapy person? Like, are you somebody that leans into buying things? And if you are, do you shop when you're sad or stressed, or when you're happy and in celebration mode. I got to know this. Or like me, all of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Just use the, you know, E, option E, Zave, all of the above. (laughs) So Joe, I have one question for you. What would you say is the most regrettable retail therapy purchase that you've made? I mean, other than my scanner for my journals that's still sitting in the corner of my office. (laughs) Right. Cut to scanner lonely on the floor. Um, Let me see. Let me think. I've been buying a lot. It's funny because right before we started recording, I'm like, Zabe, it's so expensive to run a business. And it's because I buy a lot of stuff. For me, honestly, I think the subscriptions get out of hand. We should have an episode all about subscriptions because in the last five years, we've entered subscriptionization of every service, right? And like some of these subscriptions, I have been trying to cancel my Disney Plus subscription for a year, Zave, and I cannot do it. <laughs> like I can't do it. So every month I have this bill. And then you think, okay, it's only like $12 or it's only $14, but you add on all the news outlets now. And I respect journalism and I will pay for it, but it's like, I only read one of those resources, right? So then why am I paying for 17 of them? So I think for me, it's not so much these big purchases, but it's my casual nature of just clicking purchase, subscribe. And then before you know it, it's a ball of like $500 a month of things that I'm barely using. Guilty. 
everything has a subscription. It's crazy how online orders can almost have instant gratification nowadays. Like times have changed so much. You'd have to wait so long back in the day. And I think all of it sped up during COVID, right? So yeah, our spending habits have changed drastically. And I know mine have since the pandemic. And I think it's been a combination during the pandemic that people were just bored, needing things to do, or picking up new tricks, investing in themselves. So we got a fun episode coming on that soon. But also people were just afraid to leave the house. So they had to just order more stuff online, you know? So we do have one survey about post-pandemic spending habits. This was in June 2021. Almost 31% of those that say they practice retail therapy do it frequently. A little more than two-thirds of the respondents say that while they practice retail therapy, they don't do it often. And then it looks like in 2022, people started you know, buying things compulsively even more. Even more. So another survey taken in 2022 say that 64% of the Americans surveyed have increased their impulse spending habits in 2022 compared to prior years. According to that same study, Joe, the average American spends 314 monthly on impulse purchases. $314 monthly. $314 monthly, $3,700 yearly on impulse purchases. So like the odd sweater here or the shoes that don't fit there. And I think 314 is being very gracious because I think that we spend a lot more than that. And here's what's interesting. It's saying that in 2022, 64% have increased, which means that COVID not only changed our spending habits temporarily, but a little bit closer to the permanently side. Because I think when you start buying things, you get used to opening your door and seeing, you know, a package outside. So what is a good day if there's no package (laughs) Mm -hmm. outside waiting for you? You look forward to that little spark of happiness that you get every couple of days. It's scary. I think I'm more of the person that I won't do an impulse purchase for two months and then I'll make a huge one, one month. And that's, that's not good. It's not good. We're here unpacking our money baggage to get better. Yeah. And let's go back to the emotion of it all. Humans are complex in this way that we have these deep feelings and we find outlets. This reminds me a little bit of any kind of other vice like alcohol or, you know, drugs or whatever. It's similar. It's like, it's a cry for help. Retail therapy is a cry for help. So (laughs) What else do we know about the psychology of it all? Definitely. And I think one of one of the biggest things I want to say here is that it can be a positive thing. It's not always just this toxic thing that retail therapy, like there's proof that it can help people be happier and less stressed and stuff like that. So I'll get into this list here of how retail therapy does benefit people. So the first one is, it helps you feel in control. Sadness is generally associated with a feeling that you can't control what's happening in your life. Experts say that the act of making choices when shopping can restore your feeling or of control over your life. A study found that buying things you enjoy can be up to 40 times more effective at giving you a sense of control in your life compared to not shopping. Okay, I see that and I feel that. It's like my day was crappy, it was all out of my control, but I can click add to cart. And yes, I want to deliver today before 5 p.m. (laughs) It's such a good point. Yeah, I, I have days where I feel out of control for sure. I just... I can't pick when my meetings happen, entry-level employees. Sometimes I have to do things I don't want to do or I can't, you know, creatively control stuff. And going to the store and picking out those blue moccasins, size nine and a half, 
it makes me feel like I'm in control of something for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then everybody loves your blue moccasins, which makes you feel like maybe you should run things, you know, in <laughs> areas. <laughs> something like that. So, I mean, the next one here is, is obvious. It brings happiness. You can get an emotional and psychological boost from visiting stores or even browsing online. Anticipating the possibility of a treat or reward releases a hormone called dopamine in your brain. This causes you to feel good. Dopamine makes you want to keep finding ways to make you feel good. Sometimes you don't even need to make a purchase. Happiness can be boosted by simply visiting a store or putting something in your car online. This happened to me yesterday, Zave. I was having a stressful day. I told you I was editing like 21 videos and I opened up my favorite store. This was kind of a habit of, you know, a little bit of retail therapy from the <laughs> show. Opened up the site and I of course, I only shop in the sales section, but I'm combing through the hundreds and thousands of sales section items. And I'm just adding things to my cart. And for 20 minutes, I did not buy those things. And I'm like thinking about that today. I'm like, how crazy is it that I was having such a stressful day that even just browsing around for things I'm not going to buy and putting them in my cart as if I'm going to buy them, help me get through. Like that's, totally. that's something. Do you think you did like notice a shift in your mood? I did. And then I also stopped myself before I bought the items because I'm like, I don't need more stuff. I just needed a hit of that dopamine. <laughs> I think that is healthy retail therapy right there because you did what you needed to do to make yourself feel better, but you didn't impulse buy something that you probably didn't need, right? Yeah, that's crazy that even the anticipation of the treat releases chemicals in your brain that makes you happier. I feel like I do do this. I will find something that I really want and kind of set the goal, the financial goal that like, I'm going to buy this in a couple of months. And that will get me through weeks and months, <laughs> just knowing that I will make the purchase. I will do it when the time is right. That's so funny. It's like, how sad is, is our reality if we're like, in a few months, we will buy. <laughs> but it, oh, gosh. It, it's relatable, right? We've all been there. And I 100% agree. Okay, what else do we have on the positive list? So the next one is it provides distraction. Getting out of your house and going shopping may provide a distraction from whatever is making you feel sad. The brightly lit and colorful displays at the store can take you away from your own reality. This works with online shopping too. The attractively curated online products can distract you from your sadness. This one makes sense. This is where it also starts getting super interesting because you know there are store designers, like store experience designers, and everything from the air and the scent coming out of the vents to the color of the lights and the temperature of the lights to the design of the store. It's all designed like the higher end stores or the stores that are masters at captivating its customers. Right. In the brick and mortar stores, they invest in designers that keep you lured in as long as possible, which is why me leaving my house to go down the street to TJ Maxx makes me feel better sure. than if I were not to go. Not that TJ Maxx is like an exemplary design experience, but still it's like there's an ambiance there that keeps you. I didn't even think of that. It really, it, it's like immersive. Some of these stores I live just off of, you know, like Michigan Avenue and it's it's kind of like where a lot of the shops are. And you're so right. They're so cool. Everyone is so different too. The Nordstrom Rack by my apartment has a bar in the middle of it. Like, yeah, they have distractions everywhere. You know, when I was an intern in New York, I was doing this project. I was saying like, how can you revive brick and mortar stores? Because it was around 2013. It was the summer 
of 2012. And it was right as all the brick and mortar stores that we had known for you know decades, they were going out of business, these big department stores. And I had to come up with a pitch to keep them alive. And I was like, well, why don't you put services inside of department stores like hairdressers or nail salons so that you have to come in on a regular basis and get your things done, like get your hair cut or your nails done. And in being there and in being in that environment, you want to pick up a shirt too. So this is the little Joe, like masterfully brainstorming. Yeah. Well, no one ever believed in my idea, but I'm glad Nordstrom Rack has a bar. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to say, Joe, maybe I should thank you for the fact that I can get a drink at Nordstrom now. Do you think that online shopping has the same effect? Like, have you been to some pretty good websites online shopping that you're like, wow, I'm just in this crazy immersive type of website or? I think it's not nearly as captivating as physically being there and the smells and the music and whatever, but I love the minimalist design of my favorite stores. And the minute a store online feels too linky, I'm off. You know, I'm like too overwhelmed. So the stores that I do buy frequently from are the most minimal sites and all of their copywriting has personality. So they know their avatar. They know their target. What about you? Do you feel like there are any websites like with music uh, popping up and like flying? Like what's happening on these sites? I think I'm I'm similar as you. Like I like the simplicity of shopping online because it distracts me in a bad way where I'm no longer looking at the products and I'm trying to click out of the X's and lower my volume on my phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it comes to online shopping, less is more. Like less <laughs> design, more in the cart. Less is more. So, okay, here's the next one. This is important for me because I work from home a decent amount. Social interaction. Shopping gets you out of the house and into a mall with other people. In a survey, participants shopped alone, but the act of shopping gave them a connection to society. It's true. I never even thought about that. I told you I live in the woods by myself when I'm home in Connecticut. And there are days where I don't either leave my house or speak to anybody in person. And on day four, like today, I'm going to leave and go shopping. I do not need to. But I will go because I'm like, okay, Joe, it's been four days. Like, you got to go and talk to people <laughs> in real sure. life. Yeah, I don't even have a conversation, except I'm so chatty at checkout. I'm like, chatty Kathy at checkout. Like, how's your day going? Just because I haven't seen anybody in so long. I'm the same way. I will always small talk the cashier. I think most of the time they appreciate it, but there's every every once in a while, there's a cashier that's like, dude, I'm going <laughs> get out of here. My you job. Know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Out of the store. <laughs> do you prefer to go shopping alone or with like a friend or? Oh my God, alone all the way. I'm so like, I do not want to disturb you or take up any of your time. I was just in Spain and I was shopping with a group of people and I went into a boutique and I'm running in the boutique to try to like pull everything I like quickly. I don't even try clothes on if I'm with people or even if I'm by myself, but definitely not when I'm with people because God forbid I take 10 minutes of these people's time. And the people that I was with, they were like, Joanna, you are going to try on these clothes. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, really? Are you sure, guys? I do not shop well with others. Do you shop well with others? I definitely do. I don't know if you call it shopping well, but I prefer to have at least a plus one what? when I go shopping. Yeah, I like to, you know, like, how do, how do you think this looks? Or like, do you think I should justify this purchase? And honestly, I'm probably a nightmare because I take forever to decide on something to buy when I'm shopping. But I will say in turn for that, I'll always be down to go with somebody to go shopping. And I'll always give you my opinion and stuff like that. Wow. But yeah, I like to go with a partner for sure. That's crazy. Like I need to integrate 
communal shopping into my agenda. I mean, for me, if I'm going shopping alone, a lot of the times there won't be that literal voice next to me saying, you're not going to wear it. Don't buy it. It's too expensive. It'll just be retail therapy, Zave pulling the plug a lot of the time. You don't really trust yourself to make purchases. (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. And that's honorable. It's fair. It's fair. We're getting better. We're unpacking this money package today. This is a fun episode. So last one here. Saving up can be therapeutic. The act of saving up for an item can give you something to look forward to. This results in a release of dopamine over time. So this goes back to your example of, you know, in three months time, I'm going to buy X, Y, and Z shoes I'll never wear, but it keeps me going. The thought of saving for it keeps me going. Definitely. I think this one's probably my biggest one. And yeah, sometimes I don't even end up buying it, but just thinking I'm going to buy it for a month is good enough for me. A lot of the time I do buy it and have buyer's remorse, but what are you going to do? (laughs) Well, let's talk about the negative sides. I got to be negative, Nancy. You know, to everything, there's a pro and a con. These are the like not so glamorous sides of retail therapy, which I'll go down the list. So money problems. Shopping may lighten your stress temporarily, but it can also lighten your wallet. (laughs) This is especially the case when you use credit cards or online payment methods. Research has shown that paying with cards and online apps feels less real than paying with cash. This means you tend to spend more, which is crazy because we're living in a basically cashless society. And so this means that the retail therapy will spike because if you're not looking at, you know, a hundred dollar bill and it's just numbers on a screen, it's easier for you to swipe, swipe, swipe and get into debt, debt, debt. That's honestly pretty interesting to me. This is one of the ones that affects me quite a, not quite a bit, but like it has since becoming an adult. When I moved here, I had to make a couple of big purchases for, you know, a U-Haul and like deposit and things like that. I had to make like a lot of adult purchases for the first time. And it kind of pushed me to spend money on something that I didn't need. I don't know if this makes sense, but like just because of how like responsible I was being at the time, it made me really want to treat myself, which made me more stressed about my money problems because I'm already <laughs> low on money now, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're basically saying the stress that you are feeling is because of the same thing that you turned into your coping mechanism. It's like a vicious It's a cycle. slippery slope. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good. But I can totally see that. Like if I have to buy tons of things for work, I'm like, oh, well, I want to treat myself because, you know, I've been spending so much money on, on these investments and whatever. And like the math doesn't actually add up, but the psychology and the good feeling makes sense to us in an emotional way. Totally. Totally. I think we maybe need to think of a couple things that we can do other than retail therapy, when we're feeling like this, that might be helpful. It's a human thing. It's a human trait, right? Like you're stressed about the thing that causes you stress. So it forces you to do more of the thing that causes you stress. Have you watched the movie, The Whale? I haven't, no. It's talking about a person who's struggling with obesity. And when he's like really down, he eats more, right? Like this is just human behavior that we have. This is when it becomes an addiction, which brings me to the second part of when retail therapy becomes problematic, which is actual addiction. Shopping can also turn into a compulsive behavior. People with compulsive buying disorder spend significant time on shopping and spending money. The purchase is often then followed by a sense of disappointment with yourself. Buyer's remorse is that feeling of regret experienced after making a purchase, typically one regarded as unnecessary or extravagant. 
And the craziest stat of all, I guess I would expect this number to be a little bit higher, but 5.8% of Americans have an addiction to shopping. This compulsion tends to start in late teens or early 20s. And there's some evidence that it runs in families who tend to also have anxiety, mood, and substance abuse disorders. 5.8%. That's, it's, yeah, you're right. It's, it's not as high as, as I thought it was going to be, but it's still a lot of people. Also, these are the people who come clean because how many people do you know in your life and I know in my life who are borderline hoarders but will never admit that they have a shopping compulsion disorder, right? Totally. Just in denial. And I think the buyer's remorse thing, like I definitely have felt buyer's remorse and I think it's just the indecision talking for me a lot of the time. I will be sad that I made a purchase, but then a couple of months might pass by and I'll be happy that I made it after. But no, it's it's a real thing and it does happen. And you just make these decisions and then you're like, oh, I probably should have put that money towards my future or an investment or just saved it. Right. And it does happen. It does happen often. Have you like had buyer's remorse before? Yeah, I have. And I love this podcast because every single episode we make, I'm truly looking within and I'm like, damn, you know, in the in the last few weeks, as I told you, I have many contractors that I pay on a regular basis. I'm investing a lot in Joe Club, but I'm also finding ways to get that hit of dopamine by buying clothes, right? Like, or I'm traveling and I'm going out to restaurants and whatever. To me, I think it's time for me to take inventory because even if I can make a good living, I know I'm hurting myself by finding these ways of spending money I don't need to be spending. So the question for me that I have for myself is like, how can I find better outlets, like healthier outlets of brightening my day if I'm stressed? And these could be many things like journaling or going for a walk or calling a friend, et cetera. There's so many other things. I This episode's making me feel seen. I feel seen. But it's okay. That's what we're doing. We're unpacking. And I totally agree. Since we started this podcast, I have been looking in the mirror a lot more and just taking things a little more seriously. And I still have fun and I still eat out and I still make impulse purchases, but I do them responsibly. I do them, you know, more responsibly anyways. Yeah. I think it's, it goes down to the fact that money is a habit, right? Like having a positive money mindset, it's like a muscle. And so it doesn't matter if we do the same episode 17 times, every time I'm going to get something out of it. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, I shouldn't have bought that vlog camera. Cause I didn't feel like driving to my brother's <laughs> house 40 minutes down the road. <laughs> like literally. Sure, sure. Story. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> Anyways, let's keep it going down this list. What do we know about shopping compulsion? Like when can we say that it's a compulsion versus just like casual retail therapy? Totally. So there's a couple things here when a couple of signs that you may start having shopping compulsion if you spend a lot of time researching items that you may not need. What do we define a lot of time as? Because to me, if you're shopping eight hours a day, as if it's your full-time job, but you ain't getting paid for it, then it's out of control. <laughs> but is like 45 minutes a day out of control when it becomes a habit, I guess we can argue. Definitely. This one I go back and forth on because I do spend a lot of time researching items that I don't need, but like, I feel like it's my biggest hobby. I'm really, really into it. So and maybe that's my toxic trait that I think it's justified, but Zave, I'm here for you. And I'm telling you, like everybody listening, if you feel like you hit any of these categories or you feel seen, 
the system is designed to lure us in, right? Like the retail industry designs its stores and designs its sites to prey on natural human behavior and tendencies. So if you're falling prey to this, this is not because you're, you know, silly or you you don't have a good head on your shoulders. The system is designed this way, the same way casinos are designed to have all of these shiny bells and whistles and keep you in for hours at a time. So mm. it takes a really high level of self-discipline, self-control, self-awareness to be able to be aware of your traits and walk away from it because you know it's hurting you more than it is helping. Preach, Joe, preach. You feel better, Zane? (laughs) I feel a lot better. Thank you. Okay, so we got a couple more here. So you might have shopping compulsion if you have money problems because of your shopping. Yeah, totally. If you are constantly thinking of buying unneeded things, guilty. If you have difficulty stopping yourself from buying unnecessary items, and if you have problems at home, school, or work because of your uncontrollable spending. And I think all of these are a ball of stress that, again, I can see how people would shop more on top of it. But there is a fine line between like a casual retail therapy shopper and a hardcore live or die by the retail therapy method where it affects your home life, your work life, and everything else. Definitely. And that and that kind of leads us to avoidance coping, which has to do with the distraction method, but in, in a more negative sense, if you are stressing at home or work and end up buying things. So avoidance coping is a constant tendency to distract yourself from stressful situations. Avoiding difficulties temporarily with shopping may seem like a quick pain-free solution at first, Unfortunately, this could increase to anxiety instead. Yeah, all of these, again, are very psychological. And so we're giving everybody a big hug out there. This is not easy stuff to talk about. I have a little bit of an exercise, a journaling exercise that I'm doing in my 21-day mindful money challenge with Joe Club at my journaling club. And the activity is to track your spending for the next 72 hours to a week. Every single thing you buy, I call it the money mood check. So write what you bought and the mood that it made you feel and why you're buying the thing that you're buying, right? And then after 72 hours, you'll have kind of like a roadmap of all of the spending that you actually do, but how it makes you feel. Because I think like we've been saying, in the beginning, it feels like a great idea. And then you're like, "Uh, actually, this is hurting me in the long run. And it's just like a good awareness exercise to really look at your habits and behaviors and how it's helping or hurting you. So have you started those 72 hours or how to go? I'm starting today. Nice, nice, well, nice. Okay. Also, I'm traveling. So my my spending's a little wonky. Anytime I'm home, I go on a money diet, which justifies my outlandish spending when I'm traveling. Sure. <laughs> I'm just a hardcore girl. I'm either a hermit or a social butterfly. I'm either like cheap Joe or like baller Joe. I don't know. Maybe it evens out in the end. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Final thoughts. Yeah. Like, let's wrap this up. What can we do about retail therapy where we can use the benefits without going broke? Totally. So the first one, like you said, tracking your purchases. I think it's super smart to just start with 24, 48, 72 a week, maybe, you know, I think it's smart to start slow because if you think you're going to just jump into this habit of tracking your purchases, you're not. And I've definitely fallen guilty saying I'm going to track everything I purchase and I do it for two days and then I, I stop, right? I think 
to build that habit, you just have to be consistent. So tracking your purchases. Mm-hmm. And how they make you feel. And how they make you feel. Yeah. Really feeling seen when I do that one, but that's <laughs> what we're here for. The next one is shopping wisely. Don't buy things that you don't need. Which was me putting the things in the cart and not clicking purchase. I'm proud of that one, y'all. Can't say I'm always that strong, but it means I could be strong again. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a big thing. I, I have gone into like a really expensive store and tried something on knowing I'm not going to buy it, but that makes me really happy when I do something like that. So I feel that. I wonder the amount of people who look at shopping as their distraction as opposed to like video games or, you know, Netflix series, binging series and things like that. Because I'm sure that there's a group of people out there who would much rather go shopping either online or in a store than play video games, than watch a series, you know, than all of these other escape mechanisms that we have. Totally. And you make a really good point. I think we've kind of been really fashion focused on this episode, but retail therapy can apply to Lego sets and whatever. Plain cards. Plants. Like I'm guilty of like, do I need another plant or book? (laughs) I think I'm a big Mm -hmm. book shopper. Like anytime I'm stressed, but then I argue, I'm like, well, book, a book is an investment in my knowledge. And then I never read the book. Sure. Knowledge is power, but it's like a science fiction, (laughs) you know. So next one is be aware of dangerous behaviors. Are you choosing to shop instead of getting your work done? Do you prefer to go shopping instead of meeting with your family and friends? It may be time to get help from a therapist. Yeah, right. I like that. We always suggest getting some professional help doing some work on your own, journaling, listening to great podcasts, reading books. I mean, if you are struggling with retail therapy, there are so many resources out there. If you look it up, I'm sure there, I mean, this is obviously something that has been going on for hundreds of years as as early as we know the credit card industry to be, which only was in the fifties. So I guess. No, hundred percent. And you're not alone. If you feel this way, 5.8% of everyone else does. That's millions of people that have it. So we're all in it together here. We got this. So, So the next one is don't spend to relieve your boredom. It's only temporary distraction. Yep. Quick hit of dopamine is not permanent happiness. It's not worth it. (laughs) And then this is the best here. So just a list of things that you can do instead of retail therapy to make yourself feel better. So you can exercise, you can get some sleep, you can eat healthy, find a creative project or take up a new sport to prevent boredom. There's this method in habit building called like the substitution method, which I love. So if you want to drink soda, but you know that it's too much sugar, instead, every time you have a craving to drink soda, you assign something else. Like you say, no, I'm, I have to drink a tea now. So you start weaning yourself off or like anytime you feel like avoiding working out, you have to go for a walk. So you basically assign your behavior that is no longer serving you to a new behavior that will help you. Even if it has nothing to do, like anytime you avoid running, you have to eat a salad that day, right? Like you're (laughs) still helping yourself and you're using that craving as a catalyst to change your behavior for the better. Totally. What kind of things do you do other than retail therapy when you're, when you're kind of stressing or having a rough day? So for me, it was the wine. I was like, okay, yeah, anytime it's late and I'm stressed, I can have a glass of wine. And then I started looking at that and I'm like, okay, I don't want to create a bad habit. So then every single time I wanted a wine, I would make myself a tea instead. And it worked. And now I crave tea. And now I drink like three teas on any given day. And same thing with coffee. Like I'll drink way too much coffee in every day, maybe four cups of coffee a day. 
So now I'm like, okay, two coffees max. And any other time I crave a coffee, it's a tea. Small examples. Sure. No, 100%. Was it was it difficult to kind of make that transition or? Yeah, it is difficult in the first few days. Same thing with like, oh, I really want something sugary to drink with my meals, which is weird because I stopped drinking soda years ago. But instead of buying soda, I'll buy pomegranate juice and I water it down. So it's like so finding good. hacks, right? In the beginning, it's not easy. But after a while, you're a habitual creature. Human beings adapt. So you do form a new habit that is better for you. I feel that. I definitely, I exercise when I'm having a bad day or feeling overwhelmed. It always helps me feel better. And I I did go through a point post-college where I didn't work out as much. I just didn't. I played basketball in college, so I was working out every, every day. Like, And then I stopped and I noticed a significant shift in my mental health. So now, even if it is just a 15-minute walk or 10 push-ups when I wake up in the morning. It really does a lot for your brain. So on that note, I'm going to get off this podcast and go for a run. (laughs) (laughs) Or or go shopping. No, no, no. I'm not going shopping. I'm not. I don't need anything else, Dave. I have everything I need to be satisfied. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to Money Baggage, a podcast brought to you by Hightower Advisors to bring financial literacy to everyone listening. Don't forget to give our show five stars wherever you get your podcasts. Slide into Joe's DMs at Joe underscore Franco and ask us any questions. Tell us what kind of retail therapy you do, if any. Right, right. Confirm that we are indeed all in it together. So Zave and I don't feel like retail addicts. (laughs) And we will be back next week with more goodness to help unpack all this money baggage. We'll see you there. Bye. Don't be buying anything after this. This podcast is a simulation and is for educational purposes only. Joe Franco is presenting the information in this podcast in her capacity as a consultant to Hightower Holding LLC and its affiliates and subsidiaries and not as an actual client of Hightower Advisors LLC. The material provided in this podcast is prepared and researched by its author and does not service as an endorsement or a reflection of the views of Hightower Holding LLC or any of its affiliates. Hightower does not make any representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions or results obtained from the use of the information contained herein. Hightower Advisors LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC member FNIRA SIPC.